Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Drive for Show DFS for Doe here on Roto Grinders. Back for another episode of Golf Talk here on Roto Grinders. Happy to have you joining us. I'm happy to be feeling better. I've been pretty ill the last week, so finally starting to feel a little bit back to normal, and uh, that's cause for celebration for me alone here. I am Justin Van Zuden, STL Cardinals 84. I've got Derek Farnsworth, aka Notorious, alongside me. Always feels like uh, forever when we have a break from PGA, even if just for a week. Had the President's Cup last week, uh, won by the much stronger American side. And uh, and yeah, it was it looked like it was going to be a runaway. Internationals made it close there in the, uh, the middle rounds, but uh, U.S. ended up pulling out a victory. Noto, how you doing? Yeah, doing good. I don't think the President's Cup gets enough credit. I mean, I had a blast watching it. I had a lot of juice to it, a lot of energy uh, from both sides. I thought the crowd was amazing. And, uh, you know, we ended up getting a fairly competitive uh, match. At least, you know, the internationals had a shot on Sunday. Uh, we had some superstars kind of break out in Tom Kim and, you know, Jordan Speed looked great. So uh, Max Homa get going 4 0 was pretty impressive. So, yeah, I thought it was great. And, uh, yeah, sorry you're not feeling good. Is it, uh, does that have anything to do with the fact that the kids are back at school? Because my little ones already bring two different Yes, sicknesses. It does. And you know what? I've told, I've said this not on the air, but I'm I'm kind of in the middle ground on the whole mask debate. When we went through COVID and so started coming out of COVID, you know, if somebody wants me to wear a mask, I'll wear a mask. If people don't, you know, I won't. Whatever. I, I do not have a strong opinion on it, one way or the other. I'll do whatever makes everybody else feel comfortable. But when our kids went to school for two years with masks on, they both had perfect attendance. They never got sick. Our kids were the healthiest they've been for two years during COVID because they had to wear masks at school. They didn't bring anything home. Nobody got sick and it was glorious. Now they're back in school and nobody's wearing a mask and everybody's getting sick. So, uh, yeah, I think I got it from our oldest. But then with me, it was a cold that morphed into bronchitis. I lost my voice and then it morphed into a sinus infection. And it was just a whole ordeal here for the last week. And uh, I'm I'm just happy to not be coughing every two minutes now. So. I can't complain. I haven't been sick in a long time and it wasn't COVID. Uh, so 
I guess I can be thankful. But yes, the kids back in school, that is a thing. Well, I'm glad you're uh, back on the mend and uh, ready for uh, a major, major like week this week for the Sanderson Farms. Absolutely. Always feels good after a, a week off from a normal tournament. Uh, you, you always feel uh, more excited than you would, you know, if this was the week after the U.S. Open or something with this kind of field. Uh, we'd be talking about, you know, scaling back and looking forward to the next big event. But this is kind of what the fall swing is. And, and this schedule is going to change significantly next year. Um, so you're not going to see a bunch of strong fields here the next few weeks. But we do have 144 golfers assembled for the Sanderson Farms. You mentioned the President's Cup not getting the, you know, the love that it deserves. I don't think the TV coverage does it any favors. You know, it, it, you've got five matches going on or whatever during the four ball days, four matches or five matches. And there's one match that they don't show a single shot of for like an hour and a half. Like, what are you doing? You, you've, there's only eight guys on the course or 10 guys on the course. Like, it's not that hard to show golf shots. And instead, I think I can't remember whether it was like the, the uh, Connors Pendrith match against Finau and Homer or somebody. I can't remember exactly, but they didn't. They showed more like replays of past Presidents Cup winning matches during than they showed shots of that match. I I don't know. It just feels like it's a prime opportunity to get tons of golf shots and and, and kind of whip around coverage, but they don't do that. They just don't do it the way they should. Yeah, a lot of fluff uh, on the broadcast. And, you know, they have the playthrough, which uh, is kind of nice, other than, you know, the golf gets a really small box on the TV. But, man, they miss so many big moments when they cut to actual commercials. And then, you know, they would it just it just seemed like the, the broadcast wasn't great, to your point. But uh, the play on the course, I thought, was pretty good. And, I mean, the Internationals, they put up a pretty big fight. I think this was the best um, either Europe or the Internationals have done against uh, America on U.S. soil since 1990. Eight, I want to say something like that. So, um, yeah, it was a good event. I love Quail Hollow and yeah, looking forward to next year's Ryder Cup. Yeah, Quail Hollow has kind of become that major championship type venue. They've really revamped that over the years uh, and made that into a, a course suitable for, for major championships and, and tournaments, events like this one. And you mentioned it, the internationals put up a fight, looked like it was going to be a runaway 10 to four after the third round. Uh, but they actually had a fighting chance heading, heading into the singles I uh, just couldn't pull off enough upsets there against uh, the stronger American squad and pretty good weeks for most of the Americans, not named Sam Burns and Scotty Scheffler, who were terrible. Uh, everyone else was hey, pretty Burns, good. Burns but, played well. Uh, true. I guess Burns being paired with Scheffler, Scheffler was the main uh, um, yeah. kind of uh, guy that, that brought them down when they played together. And then you know, Burns halved his singles match. Scheffler lost his singles match as well. Uh, just was a really bad week for him. He wasn't great at the tour championship either. Like I know he's not playing this week, uh, but we always get done with these fairly quick with weak fields. So what do you make of Scheffler concerned or just a rough patch? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, given the fact that he played so well at the Ryder cup, that kind of boosted his season last year and now really struggled with the tour championship. I mean, that final round was uh, pretty bad and just carried over. So he's one of those guys that, you know, not a lot of, uh, tactician in his golf swing you know it's kind of more of a field golf swing and it's all over the place and he kind of you know lines everything up and makes it work but uh maybe uh yeah maybe he'll get it going maybe uh you know he'll go back to just being you know not the number one golfer in the world which is probably where you know, what you expect from most golfers 
If you are watching us live on YouTube or even on replay, uh, please hit the like button and subscribe to the channel. Always tons of content coming your way here at Roto Grinders pretty much every day of the week here as we wind down baseball season. We uh, hit the, uh, the, the, the middle of NFL season here and uh, just lots of stuff coming your way. College football, college hoops will be starting up pretty soon. NBA isn't too far around the corner. I saw preseason hockey going on the other night, so uh, it's just a busy time of year. You can subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell and uh, be notified anytime we go live with shows like this one. So we'll be focusing on the golf tournament tonight, the Sanderson Farms Championship. If you go back more than three years, this was a tournament that always was held like alongside a major or alongside a WGC event for guys who maybe didn't qualify for those big tournaments. The last three years now, this is the third year, it's been held as a standalone event. It still doesn't get the strongest fields, but it does get stronger fields than what you would have seen three plus years ago. Uh, and is always a tournament that is usually pretty friendly to uh, to scoring. So getting all your guys through the cut is going to be important this week. And it's not expected to be any sort of bad weather. Uh, so we should see, you know, 20 plus under par probably winning this golf tournament. So what do you make of the course this week? Yeah, to your point, I do think it will be a birdie fest. Uh, the last five winners have at least been 18 under par. You mentioned the weather. It doesn't look like the wind is going to be a factor uh, pretty much whatsoever. So uh, I do think it's going to be very low scoring. It's routinely one of the 10 easiest courses on tour anyway. So, yeah, uh, birdies galore. You want guys that can putt because uh, these greens are going to be very easy to hit, about 73% on average over the last few years. And oftentimes when that happens, uh, it turns into a putting contest. So, if you do want to contend, you're going to have to make birdies. I know we've seen a couple of bad putters win here in Sergio and Camp Champ, but they both putted really well when they did win. So you're going to have to putt well uh, to be in contention. There are four par fives. They do play fairly difficult compared to tour average. Um, so if you can't take advantage of those, it's going to be a big edge on the field. And then uh, I was looking at Data Golf's course fit tool and, you know, driving distance, you know, really big, uh, you know, impact this week, which – it's a little interesting given the fact that, you know, the fairways are really narrow. They're pretty tough to hit. They're tree-lined. So um, maybe it's just the fact that the, the rough is not that penal. Uh, one of the lowest missed fairway uh, penalties on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, looking at bombers, putters, good iron players, and basically just birdie makers. And a lot of the guys coming off the Corn Ferry Tour, I think, uh, you know, birdies kind of translate no matter where you play. Yeah, you just want guys that are hitting it well and going to make birdies. I, I... I'm not quite as on board with the distance angle. I know the data shows it, but I think, it, you know, it's it's just a bit of a wild card. Like, guys are coming out making whoever makes the most putts is probably going to win. And yeah. you look at some of the past winners here. Like, in 2017, Ryan Armour won. Uh, he's probably at the bottom of the tournament, you know, or the PGA Tour in distance. And then the following year, Cameron Champ won, uh, who is near the top in distance. Uh, then, yeah, Munoz, who hits it pretty good. Garcia kind of about average, and then Sam Burns, who hits it pretty good. And you go all the way back to 2011, Chris Kirk, who has had a resurgence here the past year or two, uh, is a past winner here as well. So um, basically, whoever gets hot with the putter, giving themselves plenty of scoring chances, those are going to be the guys that rise to the top of the leaderboard. And you look at the winning scores since 2013, 20 under, 16 under, 18 under, 20 under, 19 under, 21 under, 18 under, 19 under, 22 under. So every year, a birdie fest. And, uh, you know, you're, you're probably not going to win a GPP with a five out of six lineup this week. 
uh, because the course is not going to play difficult. So um, with that in mind, we can probably start breaking it down. Anything else you want to pass along before we get rolling? Uh, nope, ready to roll. All right, let's do it. We've got a few golfers at the top this week. Uh, Sebastian Munoz has withdrawn. He is the only player as of the time that we are recording this that has exited the field that was in it at the time salaries were posted. So make sure you're not rostering Sebastian Munoz. We've got a fairly soft salary cap at the top this week. Only four with Munoz out, only four golfers above 10K. That's Burns, Thigala, Poston, and Henley. And you're probably going to see a lot of ownership go to those top two guys simply because there aren't a lot of top guys to spend on in this field. So uh, what do you make of that ownership? And uh, how are you handling Burns? Tigala, uh, Poston, and Henley this week. Yeah, so this could be a take that comes back to to burn me, but I am going to be fading Sam Burns. Um, look, the President's Cup, those events just take so much out of you. I don't know if you're watching the singles matches, but, I mean, Corey Connors was literally shaking. He couldn't put his ball down when he was trying to putt on, like, the 17th hole on Sunday. Uh, Xander Schauffele, when they interviewed him, after he made, you know, the, the match-winning putt, he was just, like, just so defeated and just, like, couldn't – I don't know. It's just, it takes so much out of you. Plus I'm sure they partied real hard on Sunday. Uh, and then he also has the obligations of being the the defending champ and what everything that comes with that. So he can come out and win this thing. He's by far the most talented golfer in the field. I'm not going to you know debate on that, but um, yeah, I like the guys a little bit below him. I like JT Poston It's kind of my favorite play above 10 K. Um, he's been awesome um, over the last three months. I think he has a win a second, and four other top 25 finishes. He's got two top 15s here. And the big difference for him the last year of play is his ball striking. He used to be a short game specialist. All of a sudden, he's, you know, a really good total driver of the ball. Um, and his irons have just really come to life. So JT Poston's going to be my favorite guy up here. Henley's the guy that always pops in my model. Um, I don't mind him, especially on Bermuda, but not a, not a guy I'm, uh, you know, heavy on. And then Tigala, I just, I don't know what he does well. I do think he's going to get that first win here soon, but he just feels a little overpriced to me. Yeah. I mean, it, the nature of the field, uh, it's tough. I, I might, you know, the angle with the president's cup, taking a lot out of you and maybe on the other side, you can just come out and relax and, and, and play a tournament that, you know, you're obviously comfortable at you won at you're the best golfer in the field. You look at our projections, we've got him like 10 points above anyone else. Um, I, I think I got to be in on Burns here. Uh, I can understand underweight stance on Tigala. Uh, I, I like, you know, if they're going to be significantly higher on than Poston and Henley, certainly okay with the pivot to those guys. But uh, I think I might be, you know, 60, 70% Burns get overweight. Probably not a spot where if you're making 100 lineups, you want to go even with the field. I think taking a bold stance either against him or for him, there's pretty good arguments either way, uh, I think is the way to go in GPPs. He's definitely volatile. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll bounce back nicely this week. All your right. Take, let's go ahead. Your take oh, is the more uh, rational take for sure. What's that? So your take is the more rational take, uh, on Burns. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I'll let you know on, uh, on Friday night, if it's rational or not. Like, all right. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm paying 10 to for posting and Burns is only 500 more. So yeah, uh, it'll, <laughs> one of us will have a good week. All right, there. Oh, so if we move down, you can see our producer Devin is helping run the uh, screen share with the lineup HQ. So we do still have Munoz in the projections right now. We'll get him out of there 
Um, obviously, the ownership shows at uh, 0.3%, and he was there at 9,700. I was thinking he was over 10K, but he's at 9,700. Uh, but again, Munoz has withdrawn, so make sure you can uh, click the X button on him and uh, and not have him end up in your lineups. So we go to this 9K range. Denny McCarthy, still a little weird to see him at 9,900. Um, but Taylor Montgomery was one of the new PGA Tour card holders that we talked about a couple weeks ago for the Fortinet Championship. We talked about Justin Suh and Taylor Montgomery as two of our favorites. They had polar opposite performances in that first tournament of the new season. Uh, Montgomery tied for third, though a lot of it was with the putter. He led the field in putting in that tournament. But we said, hey, putters, uh, putters can play at this tournament if they're making a lot of birdies. You've got Scott Sallings, who's been playing pretty well. Uh, you've got Grillo, who's been playing pretty well. You've got Keegan Bradley, who's got some upside here in this field. What are your thoughts on some of these 9K guys? Yeah, I'll go right back to Montgomery. You mentioned the putter um, being hot the last time we saw him, but that's kind of what he's good at. Um, he's one of the better putters in the field, and we want guys that make birdies. You look at the Corn Ferry Tour, birdie average last season. He was first. He was also first in scoring average on the Corn Ferry Tour last season. And uh, last 10 events, including the Fortinet, he's got eight top 10. So a guy that's in great form, a guy that's going to make a lot of putts, I think he makes a lot of sense at 9,600. All right, it does look like he's going to be popular. And then I don't know what to do with McCarthy and Bazudenhout. They have almost identical stats across the board, and I typically like them a little bit more on par 70s that are like 7,000, but they can both, uh, you know, really putt the rock. And, you know, Bazudenhout played – pretty good at the president's cup he didn't have to play you know four or five matches i think he only played three so i don't know what to do with those two um i do like stallings just a guy that uh, played so well down the stretch last season i'm always on board with keegan although he's probably more of a cash game guy that isn't going to put well enough to get you a win but he might put well enough to get you a top 20 uh, due to his ball striking and uh, on the same board grillo i mean you have guys with identical skill sets and grillo bradley and then bazooten mccarthy which uh 2v2 did you do you prefer what was my choices again uh so you got bazudenhout and mccarthy who are the the short game guys that um red hot with the putter and then you got keegan and grillo oh man ball striker i don't know i can't play grillo at that ownership give me uh give me option c give me keegan and <laughs> give, me, give me keegan and montgomery i'll play those two together okay I do like Keegan. I, I wrote him up in my GPP piece at Roto Grinders. Uh, you can see I got the orange tag on him. Uh, he does have a top five finish here. Missed the cut last year, I believe. But he has played this event every year since it became its own stop and not an alternate field event. But I don't know. The, these volatile guys with iffy putters, like I don't love playing them when they're super chalk, but I like I'm okay with Keegan at 10%. Um, and Keegan, I mean, Keegan's putter to his credits come around. I think he's 40 something in this field over the last 36 rounds. So uh, that's if he's there, that'll, that'll play for sure better than than being near the bottom. Um, yeah, any other really. thoughts on this range or Riley? I think I remember seeing in the survey that you're out on him. I mean, I yeah, you have to fill out the survey and, you know, he was just an odd man out for me. Uh, no, no issue with him. I just he's probably my least favorite above 9K. But, yeah, to your point to Keegan's putting, uh, Grillo's been the same. All of a sudden, he's a top 35 yeah. putter, too. We'll see which one of them reverts to true form <laughs> or if it's a real thing for both of them yeah. going forward. 
All right. Anything else on the nine Ks? You got to take on Stallings. Did I miss that? I think he's fine. Uh, just such good form towards the end of last year, and he was making so many birdies. He he really struggled at the Tour Championship, but coming off of the week before when he almost won, uh, got outdueled by Patrick Cantlay. That's kind of kind of was to be expected. So I do like him this week. Yeah, it's probably a little bit. Uh, he was kind of playing with house money there by the time he got to the yeah. Tour Championship, made it in on the strength of a. Uh, really good finish the uh, the second playoff event. So uh, the price tag is a bit of sticker shock. I think I like Keegan a little better. Uh, maybe Bazudin had a little better, but no problem with Stallings, especially in GPP formats. All right, as we head into the 8K range, plenty of options. Uh, if we go kind of the mid to upper part, um, Harris English at 8,600. This is kind of the type of course where he's maybe had a little bit of a resurgence. Uh, again, he feels overpriced. He's not going to project super well there. Um, I know we both like Detry a little bit. You've got Straka, you've got Taylor Moore in here, and Adam Hadwin uh, comprising the upper part of the 8K range. What do you like in there? Yeah, I'll start with Detry. Um, he's known as the Belgian bomber. So uh, if you are playing the bomber narrative, I think that makes some sense. And he's been great over in Europe. He just hasn't shown a ton on this side of the pond. But uh, coming off of a fifth and a twelfth, uh, I think he's a, a good tournament play, especially if he's going to be on the you know 14% ownership. I like Taylor Moore at 8,500. Really strong ball striking toward the end of last year. T17 here at this event last year. So I think you're getting a mix of good form and a little bit of course history. And then I do like Trey Mullinax. I think he's going to be popular, but he really, you know, turned it on towards the end of last year. And he's one of those guys that tends to play his best in the weaker fields. I think he won the Barbasol and then kind of, you know, went on a little run after that. So Mullinax, Moore, and D-Tree are going to be my favorites. Yeah, I think we're in agreement on this range. Uh, certainly like D-Tree. I really like more. Um, course, like Mullinax is the type of guy that plays courses in the weaker fields a little bit better. You can throw Seamus Power in this mix as well. Like, remember, for a time, for like a two-month stretch, Seamus Power became like prime <laughs> Tiger uh, yeah. for, for a few Maybe a couple months. I don't know. It seemed like forever because I wasn't playing him during that stretch. And I think we keep kept talking about it on the show. Uh, and then he kept getting more and more expensive. And he kept getting more and more popular. And he kept doing better and better. Uh, but these are the types of events, man, that he can, you know, he just shows up and gets an eighth place finish or something. Hey, we were right eventually on power. After three months, our fade finally worked. Uh, then once it started going downhill and he started getting cheaper, he started getting less owned. I hopped aboard and that kind of kept going for a while. But um, he's going to great. He grades out well in our uh, Rotor Grinders projections, uh, especially yeah. on a point per dollar basis and uh, solid, you know, low projected ownership as well. But I know in that range, I got to leave you, your boy Kirk there at 8,200. So I was kind of ready to fade Kirk this week. He, he rates out well for me, but didn't play great at the Fortinet and, you know, kind of struggled towards the end of last season. But then you brought up the fact that he's won here. When yeah, was it? 2011. 11 years ago. Course I mean, history. I got to play him again now. Um, I typically like him on the shorter courses, but he's just been so consistent off the tee that, uh, yeah, he's in play for me at 82. And one other note on Seamus Power. So I, I did a little comp thing in my model. Uh, guys that play the best on easy par 72s, and he's number one in the field. So, no doubt what, what that's worth. Seamus Power. That would have been my first guess. Totally. It really would have been my first guess in this field on easy par 72s. He's quickly, be, he's vaulting up my leader, uh, my, my wish list this week for sure. 
And I think there's lots of interesting GPP plays in this range. I mean, you mentioned Molinax, talked about Kirk, Power, and, uh, you know, Woodland and Clark are always decent upside options as well. Yeah, they definitely both fit the the bomber narrative. And Clark, his two strengths are putting and, you know, hitting it far. So, yeah, I don't mind that. Their course histories aren't great, but um, this is one of the events where course history really doesn't matter at all. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, it's it's helpful if it's there, but, you know, I, I certainly don't think it's mandatory by any means to, to be prioritizing course history as, uh, as a must-have uh, yeah. for this tournament. So anything else above 8K? I don't think so. I've seen a lot of people talk about Hadwin, but I'm not – or Seb Straka. Straka rates out so poorly for me. I don't, I don't understand the price. Yeah, that price is too much. I'm out on that. There's too many other good options in this range, I think. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right, we're pretty much in lockstep then on that range. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the kind of 7.5 to 7.9K range. Uh, who are you looking at in there? This is kind of a dead range for me. I do like Alex Smalley, a guy that we play always. Uh, you know, Me and you always seem to talk him up, and he's just so consistent. He's one of those guys that's good off the tee, good with his irons, makes a lot of birdies. Uh, the short game is a little suspect, but uh, T31 here last year. When you get down in this range, you don't need a guy that checks all the boxes because there, there's no such thing as that. So uh, I don't mind taking the ball strikers down here. Uh, just names that are interesting. Justin Suh, getting back on him. I uh, did win the Corn Ferry Tour Championship and missed the cut of the Fortinet, but it wasn't by much. So I'll go back to him. I can't do Brendan Still again. That was uh, that was pretty bad at the Fortinet. That was like his uh, his favorite event, and he was almost dead last at that. But Dean Burmeister, uh, the Mista Mista lady, as uh, you know, Pat Mayo likes to call him. Uh, I think he's interesting. He's one of those guys that's very long off the tee from the European Tour. Um, I think he could be interesting since not a lot of people probably know him. You know, I think the Justin Suh conversation this week is is one of the more important ones to have because we all talk about these guys that they just got their PGA Tour card. So they're, you know, they're getting going on the PGA Tour for the first time. And so we talked about Suh at the Fortinet. We talked about Montgomery and they were both fairly popular and they were around the same price and they were both owned in like the mid teens or, or whatever in the first event uh, of their, you know, full-time PGA tour card holding careers. <clears throat> and then one event Montgomery finishes third. Some misses the cut. And now Montgomery <laughs> is 9,600 and he's 25% owned and we like him. Yeah. And saw is 7,700 and he's 9% owned. Now I guarantee you that the entire career trajectory of these two guys should not be defined by one PGA Tour start. Now, if this happens six, seven, or eight times in a row, you know, we're probably concerned. But I'm not going to write this guy off after one bad tournament. So uh, we're getting him at a reasonable price again. We're getting him at low ownership. You know, everyone's going back to Montgomery. I think we can. you can certainly play Justin Suh again this week. Uh, he's definitely my favorite, especially because, like you mentioned, this is a dead zone. Tough to trust steel. You know, it's not like Rye, Putnam, Todd. It's not like those guys are the upside kind of guys that you love to take in birdie fests. You know, Todd, you prefer on more of a plotter's course. Um, Burmeester, certainly interesting for tournaments as well. But 
with this being a bit of a dead zone, uh, Justin, uh, definitely the guy I'm going back to her in GPPs this week. Uh, any interest in Justin lower? He had a good performance at the, uh, Fortnite as well. Uh, I mean, he has been playing very well. A couple, uh, top tens back to back ninth and fourth. I don't really know a lot about him. He is a good putter. It looks like, um, ball striking, not so much. So yeah, I don't mind him. Uh, but yeah, great take by you. I mean, sometimes you just got to zoom out. Uh, you, I mean, 2K difference and uh, massive ownership difference for guys that we thought of very similarly two weeks ago. And this is why I'm still, you know, beating the Norman Jong, the Panda, the drum, because we've only seen like 80 events from him. You know, he's going to get there eventually. It just takes time. It just takes yeah. time. He's coming. He's still he's still got time. All right. Uh, let's see. As we head down to the bottom part of the 7K range couple of interesting names in here. I don't know how you can't root for Benny on uh, who was, he was a pretty good player on the PGA tour for a while and then lost his tour card because as always, he struggles with the putter and to his credit, he embraces that on Twitter. And then he lost his card. He battled back. He got it. He had a really strong season on the corn Ferry tour, got his card back top five finish at the Fortinet. Uh, he was in the top quarter of the field in putting and if look, if his putter's back around, you know he's going to strike the ball well. I like him. Adam Svensson finished the last season with cuts made in 11 of his last 12 starts. I like him. I think those two guys at 7,400 uh, are certainly interesting. And given the fact that we are taping this live and my microphone tends to cut out once a show, I'm betting that's going to happen right at 8 o'clock Central Time, which is in 24 seconds. So I am going to cede the floor to you while my microphone mutes so that I can catch it and you can talk about the rest of the 7K range on your side. Yeah, you mentioned Benny on being an easy guy to root for. Uh, he's always been a fan favorite, especially DFS favorite. And he was actually a member of the President's Cup, um, which is wild to, to you know have him lose his tour card, have to get it back. Uh, played well at the Fortinet, so I'll be on him for sure. Uh, I like Stefan Yeager at 7,200 a lot. Talk about a guy that makes a ton of birdies. Uh, he was really struggling off the tee, but he figured it out uh, toward the end of last season. He's gained at least four strokes on approach in five of his last 11 events. So the irons have been really good coming in, makes a ton of birdies. Uh, I think he, you know, is very interesting. And then at the very bottom at 7,000, uh, we have Lee Hodges, who went to the University of Alabama, uh, showed some really good ball striking toward the end of last season. And uh, yeah, so it's basically a home game for him. It's like a two-hour drive. Uh, he did make the cut here last year, and I think that's really interesting at that price point. I'll go back to Patrick Rogers because I always go back to Patrick Rogers. Uh, I don't mind playing a little Marty Dow. Uh, he's probably, I think he's a uh, Zay Chang Dow on uh, DraftKings. Uh, he's been playing some good golf on the Corn Ferry Tour, so I like him a little bit. And that's probably it for me. Who are the guys you mentioned? So my mic did mute. Did I come back normal or am I robo yeah. voice? No, you're good. All right. We didn't come back robo voice. Mike muted at eight o'clock on the nose. See, I'm starting to defeat the beast. You got to I, I am out thinking the microphone beast that tends to uh, to, to to grab me while I'm talking. So uh, seated the floor at the right time. I mentioned Svensson and Benny on in that uh, 7400 range. Yeah, hard not to like Svensson. For whatever reason, he's gotten the the narrative that he's a bad putter, but he's actually an awesome putter. Uh, for every reason, everybody just assumes that he's a bad putter. But yeah, very good putter. 
All right. Otherwise, I uh, agree with some of those names that you mentioned there, although I was busy unmuting and, and <laughs> remuting my mic to make sure I was good. Uh, but this is a range where I think you can certainly round out uh, your lineups. I know you mentioned Jaeger there. Um, Davis Thompson, did you mention him and or if not, do you have a take on him? I didn't mention him. Uh, give me your take. I don't know. I just he was, you know, if we go back six months, he was one of those guys that was highly heralded, you know, was going to be one of the next up and coming guys. And then uh, I can't remember whether he got how was he playing events like six months ago? Was he getting sponsor invites? Yeah, he was like one of the top amateurs. Yeah, I think he was, he was there getting sponsor invites to some events. Well, uh, he's got his card and he started with a ninth place finish at the Fortnet. Um, just a forgotten guy. I mean, if his ownership starts to spike, I don't think it's a, it's an absolute must play by any means, but 7,200 single digit ownership. I think I'll sprinkle him into my tournament builds. Yeah. I like it. Strong pedigree. And he did play here last year, 235. So I uh, well, go. probably one of the events that I was thinking <laughs> of. So, yeah. um, definitely a good range to find some guys to round out your lineups. I mean, um, You've got guys that have shown some form down here in the past. Maybe not as consistent, but Ekroth's been popular at times. CT Pan's been popular at times. Uh, that's a lot of names in that kind of seven to seventy hundred range. And part of that is because once again, the sub seven K options are pretty tough to stomach. Uh, anything you find sticking out down there looks like our projections like Smotherman a good bit. Callum Terran as I've played him a little bit in the recent months. Those are a couple that stood out to me. Nah, really. Uh, I don't think during the swing season, I usually don't do the full 150 build. I'll probably make one or two lineups. And because of that, I'm not going to be touching anybody in the six K's, but uh, the guys that rate out well, uh, Nate Lashley, Adam Long, uh, Callum Terran has been a, a pretty good player the last few months, but nothing that I'm, I'm itching to play. Yeah. There's just not a lot down here. Um, you, you just you got so many options there in that low part of the 7k range these fields in the swing season are so weak at the bottom that it's just tough i mean you scroll through it um and there's you know you scroll through it in our lineup hq there's a lot of red in the cut probabilities um i think the projection's probably a little off on eric barnes at 6300 um so don't go grabbing him just based on that. Um, we'll get that projection updated as well, along with Munoz being removed. But stick in the lower end of that 7K range. There's not, as you mentioned, not a ton to spend up for at the top. So it's not like you need to be reaching uh, for all these guys to to round out your rosters. It simply isn't necessary uh, to get you know a bunch of 6K punts because you're not paying up for 11K, 11 golfers. So. Anything else you think we need to pass along here? Uh, the guy that breaks the uh, you know projections with the, with the different names, Carl Yuan. Uh, I think we have him as Yechen Yuan. Uh, he's been playing some good good golf too. Um, pretty high cut rate on the Corn Ferry Tour. Sixty nine hundred. If you want uh, a guy down there, he might be my my favorite sub seven K guy. All right. Uh, with that, I think we have probably covered it as good as we can for this week. Uh, again, the Sanderson Farms Championship Country Club of Jackson. If you like Birdie Fest, this is the tournament for you. 
and we appreciate you checking us out. We'll be back next week for the Shriners Children's Open. That's in Vegas, another fun tournament. Usually get a stronger field for that one. So uh, we will be back next week to break that down. Until then, best of luck in all your lineups, everybody. For Noto, for our producer, Devin, thanks to him for working hard behind the scenes for us. I am Justin, and enjoy the start of fall out there, everybody. We'll catch you back here next week. Have a good one. 